Got some iPhone 12 news, which is, uh, well, that's the news you're looking for, mm-hmm. as far as I can tell and as far as I know. Mm. iPhone 12, uh, we've got some pricing leaks. In, in the leak, as you can tell, it's uh, very gracefully formatted, which is uh, right up to my standard. You just put the numbers in there when you tweet the leak, uh. and everyone knows who you are because you got a track record because you're a leaker. And and then and then you don't even have to say anything because everybody else just writes the stories for you. You just put the you slap the tweet out there. iPhone 12 prices uh. coming from Kamiya underscore KJ or Komaya, and uh, you see in the picture as well. You get the MacBook, so you know it's real. We have pricing for the iPhone 12, iPhone 12 Max, iPhone 12 Pro, iPhone 12 Pro Max, and they say I mean on here on Tom's guide they say it's bad news. But it's kind of expected news that you see a little bit of a price increase in these models. Apple, they put out the SE model. They said, chill on us for a bit, all right? And let us count some dollars like we're used to here when we come with the 12 model. We've been sitting here working. It's a lockdown. We're trying really hard. We already had to back up the release date. The stock market responded to that. Now let us uh, get some profits going as we do because we're Apple. And ease up a little bit. Just buy some stuff. Mm. So we got the iPhone 12 5G starting price $699. We got the 12 Max starting price $799. We got the 12 Pro starting price $1,049. And the 12 Pro Max starting price $1,149. Okay, so this is a $50 increase from the entry point last time around for an iPhone. So it's a slight little increase there. However, you could make the argument that you've got an improvement here. You got a whole redesign. You got a screen to body ratio. You're Apple. Yeah, you can do pretty much whatever you want if you're Apple. Yeah, I mean, you can, to a certain extent. You could definitely increase 50 bucks and people are going to be all right with it. And like, like I said, I think a big key piece here is that the SE is a thing they offer if you want to uh, save even further money and, and go for something cheaper than that. And uh, it would be hard to put the iPhone 12 designation on something that was, well, I mean, I guess it could have been the same price as last year, 50 bucks less, but either way, 50 bucks at this price point is not a massive difference in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So I'm not all that surprised by it. Uh, if you want more storage, then things can get crazy. You can get yourself all the way up to a $1,500 smartphone out the gate. For those that uh, those that are out of control like you, Will, you just click buy on that stuff, and you don't mind. You put in the pre-order. I guess it is relevant because it is it is an increase over the last time around. Probably the most noteworthy piece of this particular news, though, is the fact that uh, we're going to have an iPhone 12 designated device that is tiny. It's much smaller than what they've done in the past in the flagship department and that actually brings us to the next story how small is this entry-level iphone 12 with that uh, 699 price tag coming in at 5.4 inches what can we expect with this thing now it's a bit bizarre but it's a bit bizarre because last year or last time around with the iphone 11 the entry-level phone was not the smallest phone the entry-level phone was whatever 6.1 inches and then the 10R? No, the oh, no, after the 10, I'm just talking regular iPhone oh, 11. Okay. 
regular iPhone 11 versus the iPhone 11 Pro non-Max. Right. It went up and then down and then up in scale. Now, this time around, the 5.4-inch model is the entry-level model. It's almost like an upgraded SE, sort of. Like what the SE could have or should have been. Mm -hmm. Although the SE branding, it's all weird. Maybe going forward, that's what that entry model will be. As possibly Apple determined, this is speculation, that there's a demand for these easy-to-hold type of things because it seems the SE is pretty successful and I don't know that it's all about price. I think some people are interested in a smaller phone, at least if it's a smaller Apple phone, maybe less on the Android side. Right. We don't know. Mm -hmm. We are speculating as we would and as we do. Uh, but anyway, so a lot of people are curious what that sc scale is actually like. And funny enough, beyond the article here on Mac rumors, I actually have those dummy units. L look at this right here. This is a, this is a dummy uh, iPhone 12 entry model with the two cameras set up. And look, it's in white, so you can actually even probably see it a little bit better. It's tiny. It's very SE. Huh. And not just SE like now SE. It's very OG SE. Yeah. The original iPhone yeah, okay. SE. That's going to be a little bit bigger than that, but the screen to body is, I mean, it's a fairly tight setup. It's almost all screen. I think this is really what people wanted with the SE. If Apple launched something like this for 500 bucks instead of 700, oh man, you get the world talking. And it still has that uh, industrial design. Yeah, it's got the flat edges, the new thing they're supposedly working on. I mean, I, the notch is still fairly large and the ratio of notch to screen is different when you have a smaller display or a more narrow body on it. But this is comfy to hold. Mm. Of course, if this ends up being the eventual thing, but it seems that it would be. If you so here is the bigger model. If you hold it, I mean, it's kind of wild. Look at this thing. It's quite a bit. Let me. You don't know this phone because this would be the pro model. But if I hold it up, this is a. <laughs> check this out. This is a OnePlus Eight a Pro, and this would be. Look at that thing. Can they see this, Will? Yeah. They can it's see that? just like the screenshot here. Whoa. It's just like the screenshot there. I mean, yeah, it's a big difference. So I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing. I don't know if people want as much screen as they can get at the entry-level price. Time will tell and we'll find out. But Apple has made a commitment in a big way to a smaller form factor. I know a lot of smartphone fans actually ask for that option to be a thing. Mm -hmm. So I personally think it could be a hit. We'll see how it goes. Uh, the SE seems to be, uh, act as an indicator right now for at least some of the uh, uh, interest in the smartphone marketplace not being what you might expect. Mm -hmm. Power, processing power over other attributes and scale. Not, maybe not everybody needs a giant phone. Now, uh, Apple's working on some a little, a little bit more, uh, what would you say, a moonshot type projects as well, not just practical ones like these uh, mini little iPhone 12s here, 699. And this is an example of that. You can follow the patent filings and obviously figure out some of their future plans through them. This patent filing is actually around bone conduction technology, which, of course, we've experienced on the Unbox Therapy channel in the form of a couple different products over the years. It's not perfect by any means. It's really interesting tech leaves your ears free mm -hmm. using the tiny little bones in your face and near your ears here to transmit audio vibrations vibrations yeah. 
Very cool. And it can give you a kind of unique feel of music, which isn't exactly like what happens with headphones. And so this particular patent is around a hybrid approach, which uses some bone conduction for lower frequencies, and then an actual audio speaker, more typical coming down towards the ear for the higher frequencies, which tend to suffer in the bone conduction tag. And then there's a headband to it. Now it's a very ugly rendering here in the patent filing. It's just to get the idea out there. No one's gonna wear this thing like this, but maybe if they make it a little bit more slick, embrace the technology, come up with something interesting where you feel the bass, but hear the highs. Mm. Could be an interesting hybrid. So it's just a patent as it stands right now, but uh, it could end up in an actual physical product at some point. Apple continuing to invest, by the way, in their audio products. Uh, they just uh, knocked it out of the park with the AirPods. AirPods are everywhere. Okay. The AirPods, wild success. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're not making it. We don't need to. There's no investigation necessary. Just walk down the street. Yeah. AirPods, wild success. So then they say, okay, let's make the over-ear with the Apple brand. Forget about Beats. We'll get to that later. Yes. That's what they do in the corporate office when they do the meeting. I don't have to tell you. Uh -huh. And then they say, wait, if audio is such a big deal and we make so much money over here and this one's easy, we don't even have to design a whole new phone. We just put a little... What we do, we spit a little audio in the ears over there, count the money afterwards, and we say, well, what is the next version? What is the futuristic headset audio delivery? What are people looking for? So on and so forth. Maybe you even wear this thing, you watch the futuristic ASMR, and then God knows we never see you again. Well, maybe that's what happened. I'll be gone. Google is reportedly negotiating with Samsung to push Google Assistant over Bixby. R.I.P. Bixby? Yes, probably. I mean, that was going to happen, it seemed, anyways. Uh, Bixby was uh, knocking on that door for a little while. And certainly in the tech community. Well, they kept trying. I'll it's tell you a, what. It's a fighter. I'll tell you what. Samsung really want to hang on to it. I mean, we're in this weird sp weird uh, space where uh, in, the, in the Android world, these manufacturers want to find a way to differentiate their product. Many turn towards software as a means, as an attempt to... Uh, have their device appear as being something different. And uh, it really hasn't worked all that much. We talked about with OnePlus on a, on a recent Nord product, they got rid of their own messaging app. Mm. And uh, what other client? A couple of, another, another Google, stock Google application that they just made out the gate where they used to do their own version of it. They just gave it up. They said, hey, man, this is what people want. And there are just these, Areas where Google does such a good job that it seems so so bizarre to attempt to compete with them in that space. And that's kind of the way Bixby was received. Mm -hmm. Bixby had some functionality that uh, Assistant didn't because it could reach deeper into the, into the device hardware than what Assistant could. But ultimately, end of the day, Will, I'm using Assistant. I'll tell you what. Have you ever used Bixby? Tiny, tiny Bixby. Tiny bit. When it was first came out, I was, I was at the event and I was experimenting with it. But even Assistant, I'm a, I have a hot, cold relationship even with Assistant. Why I'll that? go through phases where I'm very Assistant. Mm -hmm. I'll just be using it all the time and for everything. And then uh, for some reason, I'll ease off of it here and there. But Assistant in the car, unbelievable. Yes. Assistant in the car when you can't be touching things and uh, just to quickly navigate somewhere or... Even often, sometimes my kids will ask me a question, just a just a, a beautiful like general uh, knowledge type of question. 
almost like a trivia question. Yeah. And just to hit the assistant to speed. They can't even type it. You can't even Google it. That, mm-hmm. And those are those moments where you're, it's speed is the real killer aspect of a voice interaction. Much like you and I right here. Yeah. You see, if we slow this thing down, it's painful. Mm-hmm. If we just go silent for a minute, or we, or all of a sudden I say something, and then there's a lag time, and then you say something, and there's a, it doesn't work. No. The speed is the killer feature, and Google knows that. They've been working on it with search forever. That killer aspect, it almost creates a whole different product once the speed is there. It's, it's some, you interpret it differently. And that's the area where Siri is lagging also. And I've seen all the demonstrations and comparisons. And, of course, we talked about it on this show as well. And Siri has gotten better through a number of generations here, but it's still slow compared to Google Assistant. And it really it's a huge drawback when it comes to using it. You, Everyone knows the person in their life that goes, hey, Siri, and they're really excited about it. And then you're sitting around waiting and you look at each other and it's this totally awkward moment. <laughs> Of, of why did you just do why did you do Siri you should have just typed it because now we're all waiting and I feel strange right now it's like an awkward pause awkward pause so anyways Google is negotiating with Samsung saying it's the time is now let's bury Bixby Samsung obviously an enormous footprint in the smartphone game and uh, a huge opportunity for Google to get its services rolled out to a much bigger audience not to say, I mean, you could use Assistant on Samsung devices, but whatever is coming out of the box is the thing that people end up using, and it's a huge potential missed opportunity for Google unless they can convince Samsung that this is what should happen out of the box, and maybe even one step further, that Samsung should market it as an advantage, a partnership. The only place, you know, the best place to use Google services is on a Samsung device. Uh and not a Pixel device, and not a OnePlus device, and wherever else. So I'm always rooting for the more native Google experiences. I find them to be the, the more seamless approach, and I would love to see this take place. So if Samsung is in any way listening to me, which they're not, but they might be, and if this message gets to Samsung, I say sign the deal, take the money from Google, put the money into uh, R&D on the next display tech or camera tech, and... And let's just all agree that Assistant is the way to go, at least on Android. Mm-hmm. I mean, man, I would, even if I was on iOS, I would love the option to have Assistant as a, as a separate download. I mean, that's obviously a different story. But uh, anyways, they, Samsung, for the record, just, just last thing on this, for the record, they have been open-minded about this type of criticism in the past. You remember, they had the TouchWiz stuff going on. People were like... People are like, I don't know, maybe you got to tweak that one a little bit, get a little closer to something. And and then they came with one UI, and, and it was an improvement. Yeah. And so I think they're listening. Samsung, if you're listening, Google Assistant, let's do it. Let's bury Bixby. It's okay. It's fine. Everybody's got to bury something. Everybody has a project. They do. doesn't work out as expected. You tried. It's all good. Yeah, you just got to fail fast, right? That's the uh, the startup, the startup thing. Yeah. Don't Don't get too committed to it. Yeah. Read the feedback, for sure. Uh, OnePlus 8T shows up on Geekbench. New chip, new OS. So we're fresh off the back of the Nord launch, and the 8T is obviously going to be a different story. Flagship territory, sort of the the new OnePlus, not the old OnePlus. 
the Nord was the old OnePlus value proposition. I don't expect that to be the case with the AT. Now that it's shown up in the benchmark, it's packing that hefty chip, the plus version of the 865 that we've seen show up in these gaming phones, which you got to have a price tag to match. I don't know what price tag, but you got to have a price tag to match. But then you look at the spec as well, and you see only 8 gigs of RAM, which is not on that pro level. Well, it's not even on the Nord level, right? Yeah, Nord has 12. So I don't know that that's a final product for the record. It's You know how these guys, they go investigate the Geekbench numbers. They try to figure out which model it is. The model number currently designated KB2001. It's got the Qualcomm chip code named Kona, which is likely the Snapdragon 865+. Plus, but it only has 8 gigs of RAM right now. So who knows? Maybe it's a board they're testing. Maybe it's not a completed product. Uh, uh, noteworthy, this particular uh, Geekbench score less than the Lenovo Legion Phone Dual, which also has the 865 chip, but but who knows, maybe that one has different cooling and we don't really know why this might be the case on Geekbench or possibly more uh, RAM in there, although that, who, who knows? This is all super early, but you can check out the Geekbench score, single core 912, multi-core 3288. The other interesting tip here, Fast charging for that model. Supposedly uh, about to see an upgrade to 65 watts. Super warp charging, not just warp anymore. Mm. And hopefully we keep the fast wireless charging as well to go with that. And it will also supposedly have a 120 hertz display. So OnePlus just still pumping the phones. They're pumping, as you know. Mm. Uh, TikTok owner ByteDance's AI chief is to leave the company. ByteDance under increasing U.S. pressure. Well, global pressure. I'm going to talk about U.S. I mean, U.S. pressure is a lot of pressure, but global pressure, really. And, uh, and of course, this is probably not good news for ByteDance. This, this individual, Ma Wei Ling, joined ByteDance after leaving Microsoft in 2017. And AI, obviously, big piece of ByteDance's success. You know all the fancy background stuff going on, figure out what videos to give people, uh, what kind of experiences people are having. And, uh, you know, most importantly, getting people addicted to the application. You see, that's the AI chief right there. Oh, you like this? Guess why? I made you like it. Mm -hmm. You had no choice in the matter. I appealed to all your humanness, and you didn't even notice. The algos. Yeah, the algo. Algo types. Anyway, she's leaving. She? Oh, I don't know if she or he. Anyway, this individual is leaving bite dance to uh, take a position actually at one of china's universities kind of an interesting move TikTok increasingly uh, being analyzed for security threats and people skeptical of the future what does the future look like so you have a high profile individual uh, leaving the company maybe looking for more security or maybe just doesn't want the scrutiny coming at them mm. or maybe just got a better opportunity right we don't really know but it is an important role the head of AI research at TikTok moving on. Now, speaking of ByteDance and TikTok, apparently we have an evaluation here of $50 billion in a takeover bid. So let me just break this down for you real quick here, Willie Do One of the options that has been floated here in order to alleviate the pressure being placed on ByteDance TikTok by a number of world governments is, hey, what if we just sell the company? What if... We sell TikTok, not the company ByteDance, but sell TikTok as a brand to an American company or to our own American investors, which do exist. Mm -hmm. Then everything gets localized and and uh, no one has to worry about leaky data. 
All right? Someone else owns it. Leave us alone. And that would require someone to come up with a number as to what TikTok is actually worth if that was going to take place. Now, I'm not suggesting this will take place. I don't think it's going to take place. But investors in TikTok are nervous. And you have American investors there. And they're saying, well, what else are we going to do? They, they, they want options. So uh, the investors here, I believe it's Sequoia, who you've probably heard about. They're a big-time investor in Silicon Valley over there. And General Atlantic, another one we talked about recently, making investments in India. Uh, they, they come up with this evaluation, which is 50 times the projected revenue of the company. It's, it's big-time numbers. So that's a big investment. No, uh, no, no, no. I'm saying that they're when they're trying to come up with their evaluation for the worth of TikTok, hmm. they're basing it on a 50 times revenue multiplier which is unusual right yeah so they're hoping that the money will come back 50 times the, well yeah this is a there's a little bit of magic that that goes into this no 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 one no there is no there are standards and then there are just bizarre projections like or or super optimistic projections let's say mm -hmm. and this would be one of those so there's a comparison in this article Snap is valued at 15 times its 2020 revenue. So $33 billion. Hmm. They're just saying it's 50 times. We feel we haven't even, we're the tip of the iceberg. We haven't. a feeling. Yeah, exactly. Some of it is in there and some of it is in maybe certain data points you're looking at where you're like, well, we haven't even capitalized yet. We right. have this enormous user base. We feel we can do X, Y, Z. But it is a, a, an odd time to give yourself a 50X evaluation when you're under this level of scrutiny. Mm -hmm. But anyway, Nonetheless, that's what they came up with. For the record, they've had even higher valuations. Uh, one of the ByteDance was valued as high as $140 billion earlier this year when one shareholder, Cheetah Mobile, sold a small stake in a private deal. Mm. So they're always looking, what is the latest sale of a stake? And then how do we apply that to the remaining stake that's out there? And then how do you come to the number? Either way, big numbers and uh, a potential path towards TikTok sticking around. That would certainly be an immediate way to ensure it, but difficult because you, we don't know about the construction of ByteDance and what they actually can and can't do and if it's even possible uh -huh. to sell this piece of the operation. I don't know. We have to wait and see. But if that does happen, expect to see a big dollar figure mm -hmm. if that does happen. Gabe Newell thinks Xbox Series X is better than PS5. I don't know if you saw this story, Will, but uh, people, obviously Gabe Newell is like a legend, a Valve legend. Everybody knows what he says goes, just period. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he's been trapped in New Zealand because of lockdown stuff. He's actually going to have a, he's putting on a, a sort of a concert. Oh, is he? I don't know if it's a charity event, but he's putting on a concert. He's paying for a, some kind of an event in order to show his appreciation for the hospitality in New Zealand. Since he can't, he can't get out of there because of the lockdown, it was unintentional. Anyways, uh, he did an interview while he's there. He's trying to fill his time, do a few things. And of course, they had to ask him about his feelings uh, in, on, the, on the console wars here, which are heating up. And he made news because he said, yeah, the Xbox Series X is better. And... They asked him why, 
And he said, oh, you can leave it. Yeah, roll the clip. Here we go. Oh, Wow. So he just, it doesn't seem to matter. That's enough for some people because it is. If, if Gabe says it is, then it is as far as some people are concerned. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, they color. go into a bit more depth here about the spec sheet and on paper and things like this, which I don't know how that matters or how much that matters to some users. I think probably exclusive titles might be more important or whatever a person is used to or where they've spent their money in the past. We've talked about the back catalog, which games are going to com be compatible going forward if you like playing old games. I think in his case, it's a little weird or hard to untangle only because his thing is Valve. So he's on the PC side, and of course, the majority of his customers are already running a Microsoft product in the form of Windows. And so there seems to be a little bit more potential crossover there if you're a PC if you're a PC guy, if you're really into PC gaming, there's something about the Microsoft branding that just might be a little bit comfier, mm -hmm. knowing that they're also invested in the PC world as well. I don't know. Maybe that's a loose connection, but it's something that came to my mind in looking at this. If you think about a Sony exclusive, it's going to just be on PlayStation. It'll never show up on PC, right? Like mm -hmm. any of the Uncharted stuff or The Last of Us or... Whatever it is, The Last of Us is exclusive. It is, yes. Yeah, any any of God that. God of War. God, okay, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't have them all off the top here, but uh, there just seems to be a little less crossover there, mm -hmm. and maybe that had something to do. But with his answer, we ne we'll never know because he just said because it is, which is also sort of a gangster response. Yeah. I don't have to explain. I'm Gabe Newell. I don't have to explain. Nope. Uh, Xbox Series X. We do have an update as well. Uh, Phil Spencer went on i justine's podcast so oh. shout out i justine and he talked a little bit about uh some upcoming dates they asked they had some questions about backwards compatibility which then then led to a conversation about when we're going to hear more about it and he kept referencing august i believe we have a quote here i'm encouraged to be able to talk more about it should be in august i think august will have more to say on that so now what that means is people are saying well you're not going to have an event just to talk about backwards compatibility. If you're going to talk about it in August, it's probably part of a bigger event in which you're going to talk about other things, including the the real details people care about about this next console. I'm not saying they don't care about the backwards compatibility, but all the rest of it. So rumors are pointing to the formal announcement as well of the Xbox Series S. This is the cheaper model. It's been, I mean, we've talked about it here. It's a hot topic the lower priced, potentially lower performance version of the Series X. And so if this event takes place in August, which by the way, August, August is really close. Right around the corner. Then we may very well see and hear more about this Series S. Uh, this once again ties into another topic or story we talked about where we saw the leaked controller oh, right. from the Series S at that house party, which... Uh, well, it was a nice, it was a nice little leak that we got there that we saw there. Uh, uh, players 
Other gamers, mobile gamers, Pokemon Go gamers spent a bunch of money this weekend. In fact, they spent more money in one day on Pokemon Go Fest's opening day than they had spent since 2016. How crazy is that? Pokemon Go hanging in there and thriving, go, thriving, going above and beyond when it was hot. How how about the how about the fact that it was hot all the way back in 2016? What has it been that long? My brain is broken. 2020 has broken all things, including this particular brain here. But anyways, Pokemon Go flourishing. They put on this fest, uh, Pokemon Go Fest 2020. And then uh, they, 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 they get spending, they spike spending at $17.5 million across the two-day event. Sensor Tower estimates that show players spent $8.9 million on Saturday and $8.6 million on Sunday. And I, I, that's a lot of people because you looked it up and it looks like it's 15 bucks or something. Pokemon Go Fest 2020. Play anywhere. Trainers from around the world are invited to participate in a special two-day Pokemon Go Fest experience. Get your ticket now in the in the shop. Uh, 15 bucks USD. And it's a worldwide event. 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. And it's got all sorts of special things. I'm not a big... I don't... The Pokemon thing I never really got to me or hit me in, in the feels or anything like that. But, man, people are into it. And maybe 2020 is a good time to be out there doing the Pokemon Go thing. Mm -hmm. Global Challenge Arena. People are looking for things to do. A lot of stuff is still slow to open. Now you get out there doing your Pokemon Go stuff. Looking for all those uh, extra Pokemon capture opportunities. Urban explore, exploration, You can explore with the distance and you're outside. Yeah. And it's a fine thing to do in 2020. You're not hurting anyone. It's just... Uh... A nice little time. I say Casual. why not? And if you want to throw 17 and a half million bucks at, is it Niantic? Is that who's doing it? Yeah. That's who's doing it. Yes. Then you throw that money at them. And shout out to them for staying, staying. I mean, keeping people engaged. It's not easy to do. There's a handful of titles and brands that have been able to do it. People still play Fortnite. Well, oh yeah. Epic is still counting a few dollars. So some have figured it out, and it, it, it seems to always be around these ecosystems now. You got to have, like, these events. And, and, and in Fortnite, they had a music event on the inside, and then all of a sudden they had, uh, uh, what was it, uh, some record number on the stream because they had Travis Scott. And yeah. you need to have events and communities and a, almost like a culture yeah. around a game. And then you count money. So I just I just gave you all the tips you need, Will, to earn seventeen point five million dollars in a weekend. You just have to build all that. Yeah. No big deal, right? No big deal. Indian tech moguls urge Modi to be tougher on Chinese rivals. Okay, I read this article. I liked one. I liked something in here specifically that really captured, I think, a lot of what we've been talking about when it comes to the situation, the tech situation in India the Western investment in India in the form of Google, Facebook, all the others, and the increasing tension between India and China. It captured, th this comment in here captured a lot of it. And I, now, of course, I have to find this, oh. this moment within the thing here. Uh, 
This is, I love it. It's a quote. The China versus U.S. battleground is neither China nor the U.S., but India. Whoa. Yeah, that's true. This is a, this thing is being, the China-U.S. thing is being fought right in between the two countries. You have China catching the boot in a way in India increasingly in the form of, I'm not even necessarily talking about any type of consumer boycott, but more in the sense of uh, banning the apps mm -hmm. and worrying about data moving in that direction. And the recent story that we were talking about with Huawei and and the the uh, the growth of homegrown companies like uh, Reliance and Geo. So maybe you don't need Huawei. You, you know what I'm saying here? Yep. A number of factors that were already sort of playing out, and then of course the government encouraging some level of assembly happening locally, right? So there's this kind of like it, there's this kind of obvious thing happening where there is some. Tension, whether maybe tension is not the right word, but at least a movement away from a reliance on China. Yeah, slowly starting to build walls. Some a little bit. I don't know if they're necessarily walls because you can make the argument that many nations attempt to do this. They attempt to grow up some of their 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 own within an industry, their own options, whether right. it's software, hardware. I mean, even if you're in the States, you say, oh, it's an American car or like this happens almost everywhere Yeah, that you want to have. You want to be competitive even in the markets where uh, you want to be competitive in as many markets as possible as a nation. Yeah. And there's pride in making something. Of course. In own country. Of course. And so. China had China had delivered. They, they, there was a sort of a stronghold taking place. The Chinese smartphone brands, Xiaomi and Oppo and all this, had a huge, huge percentage of the market in India. And so I think it's, it's worth an examination to say, hmm, why is that the case? Now, we can, I mean, we, you could talk about to what degree there should be any level of government interference in that procedure. Should you just let the market forces, should you let the market figure it out? But then you start talking about leaky data and you start talking about ByteDance and you start banning apps and of course the public is going to react and respond and potentially not buy those products so now it's not so the choice has changed within that thing mm -hmm. but the new piece is is this increased u.s investment where they're coming into the homegrown stuff like reliance geo whatever and saying oh yeah well, here's 10 billion Here's, we want 7 8%, whatever it might be. Now you've got it coming from the other direction mm. where there's increasing control. Now you, those are partnerships though. They're investing in, but don't, don't, don't think for a second those partnerships don't come with influence. Mm -hmm. Every partnership does. So I just love this piece here, which says, yeah, it's a battleground. Of course it's a battleground. As the West continues to push against China in a way, and uh, and India finds themselves right in between that push, and those are two mega major players. It's a bit of a squeeze happening, and it's tough to figure it all out. And so there's a feeling. Well, there's a couple different feelings. One feeling is, well, that's better than China. One feeling is, 
that's a partnership. We're okay with that. There's some some local ownership there. That's a an agreement that that we're okay with. And I'm not talking about the people. I'm talking about those that manage those businesses and the government. But then there's an alternative argument, which is, we'll get them out too. We'll do it all on our own. But that's a difficult one, and I don't necessarily subscribe to that because. How are you not going to have a partnership with Google? We see how that's going for Huawei. Just explain to me how that works. Mm-hmm. And then what about social media? So you ban TikTok, which, by the way, at the time, I believe was actually bigger than Facebook at that moment. They were, TikTok in India was huge. We can't overstate the significance of banning of an app of that scale in a nation that big. So imagine you take the same approach to American apps. Okay, now Facebook's got Instagram. You've got a lot to build. You've got a lot of building to do. And then you kick Google out with the Android. Or what about Apple? And it's just too tough to do it all. So you do have to pick your battles here. And you do have to pick your sides mm-hmm. to a certain extent. And there's going to be political consequences to those choices. Anyway, very interesting stuff. And uh, it, it appears China's getting the worst of it right now. But very interesting stuff. It's all, I mean, there's an impact here. There's an outcome. Sure. There's an impact here. And the, the, the world will be shaped by how these partnerships and handshakes play out. Well, not handshakes. They touch the album. Yeah. First look at Elon Musk's personal Tesla Model S with prototype color. I don't know if you have ever realized this, Will, but you cannot get a Tesla in that many colors. Yeah, it's a very uh, small selection. It's a small selection, and it actually has been shrinking. Tesla's been getting rid of colors, not adding them, because they were having all kinds of problems in the paint shop. And paint, painting cars is hard. Imagine that. I I can imagine. But you would think, Will, that like you got this company doing self-driving, engineers, all these hard things. You think paint? That's an easy one. No. No. Painting cars. And the perfection that's necessary and the number of layers and sophisticated uh, processes, it's incredible. So Tesla's taken heat over the years for subpar paint. Even right now, even on the Model Y, they're still getting it. And of course, Elon can't be happy with that. What do they have right now? White, black, gray, blue, and red. It's not... not, uh, You compare that to BMW or... It's not even close. Mm-hmm. They don't even have a silver. They used to have a silver, and they got rid of that because it was too difficult to execute. Anyway, so Elon obviously hears about it and has to do something about it eventually. Maybe it's not a priority right now, but has to do something about it and starts experimenting with the idea of other colors. And then this pops up, this image of what's uh, said to be his personal uh, unit, and he's got the coolest color so far. What is that? Like a maroon? Uh, it's like Deep a, cri- he calls it a crimson red. I think it looks darker in this image because it's in shadow. Right. Then it might look like in, in sunlight or in a different photo. But it's it's like a uh, maroon, mahogany, crimson kind of a thing. A very deep, like a wine, deeper than wine, a dark wine type of red. And of course, it's a sick color. It's a cool color. Mm-hmm. But only Elon has it right now. And apparently he's experimenting with it. And as is usual, Elon's always making news on his Twitter. That's where it seems to be all the new information about Tesla seems to come out. And he says multi-layered paints, they're coming. 
And one of the reasons is Giga Berlin. Giga Berlin will have the world's most advanced paint shop. These are Elon Musk's words with more layers of stunning colors that suddenly change with curvature. Uh, this is what people want. This is a premium automobile. I mean, Model S, you spend a lot of money on this thing. You want to have a paint color that really represents or, or accentuates a luxury vehicle. That's a luxury looking color right there. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it's not surprising to me that this state-of-the-art paint shop is going to be in Germany. Because I'll tell you something, Will, you can get some pretty crazy colors on some German cars. Hmm. You go hire a few experts in this area. I'm just saying, there's a, there's a color, a BMW color, a silver, which is an unbelievable process. I will send you down a rabbit hole. You can watch an entire video about the application and the development of this one type of silver and the work that goes into it mind-blowing i it's called like liquid metal silver okay i almost wanted to buy a bmw just so i could have the liquid metal color not for any other reason because i i saw the interviews with the engineers they're like well what we had to do and the number of layers and now you're looking it up because i got you i got you going i got you going liquid metal bmw it's incredible look at that picture go to there that no no top left top left top left yeah look at this it almost looks like buffed out sheet metal yeah but it's paint and oh. it's so hyper reflective it's almost like a mirror okay fine i'll get one of these just so we can examine yeah, it might as well you know to go to that to. one go to that one uh in the bottom left you see it almost looks white it's so reflective mm -hmm. and silver is a, a tough thing to nail because the imperfections all show up and everything because of the level of reflection mm -hmm. So anyways, I don't think it's a coincidence that his Berlin plant is going to be, look at that. Whole oh, pure metal silver. Okay, fine. Let's get one of these. That's a uh, luxury right there. Yeah. So anyways, I don't think it's a coincidence, but he does state for people who are curious that eventually they could bring these technologies and developments to the other factories to Fremont and Shanghai. But it's going to take some time, probably initially, if you order, like whenever they launch, it's going to take a while, but presumably that unit will have to ship from Germany hmm. if you pick one of whatever the new colors will be. But let me know in the comments, what, what is the optimal luxury car color? What are you looking for that Tesla doesn't currently have? What would you go for, Will, by the way? Any car color, not just selecting from what's available. You know, I really like that uh, chalk. Gray. Oh, chalk, chalk colors, flat yeah. colors. The pastelli kind mm, of. Mm. Those look really nice. Maybe yeah, like a, a light gray. Yeah, they should have something like that yeah. too. You're right about that. Uh, Tesla could become the world's most valuable company, says VW CEO. That's hard, man. You send a compliment. You say something like that yeah. about a competitor. VW just put out their own. Well, recently their EV product, which I'm going to talk about in the next story. But I thought this was interesting. He goes on LinkedIn and he says, Elon Musk delivers results that many didn't think possible. This is complimentary stuff. Hmm. They show that electric cars can be profitable. Of course, famously, recently, they came out with numbers nobody expected. They actually made money. Tesla, hmm. unbelievable. In this, in this current world circumstance where everybody put down the losses in yeah. the automotive. Nobody's buying cars, but they're ordering these Teslas. Tesla was just set up well with the home delivery, do everything at home. 
right. order at home. The order pages. They were just ready for a lockdown. Yeah. And, well, they've also got electric vehicles, which people are interested in. As one of the few automakers, uh, Porsche, which, of course, VW, Porsche, same thing. Tesla will drive the corona crisis without a lost quarter. It confirms to me that in five to ten years, the most valuable company in the world will be a mobility company. That Tesla can, Apple or Volkswagen. I don't know why he's calling Apple a uh, mobility company. Maybe he thinks they're going to Apple car do a car or something. But Apple is at times the world's most valuable company, depending yeah. on the way the stock market looks on any given day. Uh, but he mentions Tesla and compliments Tesla, which is more noteworthy because he's a car, he's an automaker. Mm -hmm. He's a, he's a uh, the head, the chairman of an automaker. So that's a very complimentary thing to say about a competitor. It's not the first complimentary thing a competitor has had to say about Tesla. Earlier, the CEO of Audi, which is also a Volkswagen brand, said that Tesla is two years ahead of the industry in critical areas. I presume he's talking about self-driving and yeah, range. Five autonomy. Yeah, and range soon. and stuff like that. So uh, pretty amazing comments there. And, and I have to say, I, I appreciate this type of thing where you don't have to be super defensive and you can just say, yeah. look, this is I'm it is I'm, it, is. I'm happy to be a part of this industry yeah. that's collectively going in this direction. But in order to really say that, you have to compliment others who have sort of blazed the trail to a certain extent. And when it comes to electric vehicles, it would be odd to not admit that Tesla right. has pushed this agenda. So speaking of the agenda being pushed, we have a Polestar product here. Did I just say this was a VW product? Am I crazy? This is a Volvo product. Anyways, nonetheless, I was trying to create a segue where there was none. Uh, VW, of course, also working on electric vehicles in the form of the Porsche Taycan, mm -hmm. which that's coming soon, by the way. Little preview here. Mm. That should be here in August. Exciting. That should be here in August. Didn't expect to give you an update on that. Anyways, um, what do you, you like this car. You're a big Polestar 2 guy. Uh, only the, the concept car. <laughs> the other cars are okay. Oh, but, you don't you don't uh, like this one right the, here. Uh, Polestar Precept. You don't like this one. Uh, you know this one's looks fine. It's my you first time looking at it. You don't like this one. Scroll down, get a few right. more looks at it. Uh, reviews are starting to come in for the Polestar Two, and there you can see that's sort of a futuristic interior. Go down, you'll see the display in the next one, or maybe the next one after this. Somewhere in here, you'll see the info dash. Something stood out to me, so I'm reading through this review here, and what stood out to me is how much emphasis uh, this reviewer put on the Google infotainment system. So this is one area, there it is, where I'm a bit uh, apprehensive about moving completely away from Google in my car. Now, I know Tesla owners have all kinds of other advantages. All kinds. You have... Uh, um, an app that controls almost every aspect of the car. You have an enormous display. You have, uh, uh, essentially you can control everything about the car from this display, but it is a proprietary UI UI that, that, that Tesla's put together. In order, they have video games on there. Yeah, you, have, you can watch YouTube. But I just recently said to you how reliant I am on Google Assistant in the car. And other manufacturers have taken a different approach to embrace, well, the precept looks awesome. Bring, right. up, bring it up the precept, obviously. 
Other know. other manufacturers have taken a different approach to embrace either Google or Apple or whoever's going to be the in-car thing. And Tesla's been reluctant to do that. They don't have any Android Auto. They don't have uh, Google CarPlay. Google CarPlay? Apple CarPlay. How dare I? Apple people very upset about yeah. that. Android Auto, Apple CarPlay. So anyways, what, what strikes me in this one is that this reviewer loves the Google infotainment setup. He says, arguably the best in-car setup yet. And so now that piqued my interest, even outside of the car, whether I like it or not, how the range is or anything else, I'm going to pay attention if you say something like this. So I'm curious to give this one a shot just on that standpoint alone. But now that you don't even like the look of it, I don't know. You, it's a, maybe that's a huge turnoff here, Will. Give it a shot. You're not even going to get excited if it comes to the studio. If we go for a test drive, you're just going to be like, that one? I wanted the precept. They're not <laughs> yeah. going to give you the precept. Maybe they will. Maybe this one. Okay, fine. When we have the new studio, you hit them up, and, will, and we'll yeah. get the precept concept in there, and then we'll do some views on like the other one, which you're not that excited about. Uh, this is cooler looking. I agree with you. But you can't buy that right now, can you? No. No, you can't. It's a concept. It's a concept. Yeah. Whereas on the other hand, you can buy one of these pole stars. Uh, Jeff Bezos' ex-wife gets a, she gets the uh, the donation train rolling on this Amazon money. We spoke recently about how she is basically the richest woman in the world because mm -hmm. Amazon continues to skyrocket and she owns a boatload of Amazon mm -hmm. since the divorce. You're well aware. So she said early on when the divorce was taking place that her big deal was going to be charity and that she was going to get started as quickly as possible trying to distribute this wealth that she had uh, recently acquired. She also changed her name, by the way. She is now Mackenzie Scott, no more Bezos, which I guess makes sense. Yep. Seem, seemed a bit strange. Or maybe not. I don't know. Do what you want to do. Uh, it's, it's always a curious thing when when people split up. What do you have? The old name, the new name. What, what do you do with the names? Yeah. And in her case, for, when you're giving to charity, I, I get that there's that tension or whatever. You split up. You don't like each other as much as you used to. Uh, but she became she got famous after the split with the name Mackenzie Bezos, and then you go back to Scott, and people are like, what, who are you again? I mean, we have to admit we're just being honest here. Yeah, or maybe they don't want to misconstrue the Bezos kind of like foundation if it's named Bezos. If it's named Scott, then it's like, oh, okay. But if I feel it's the wife. Yeah, but there's something when it comes to charity about the uh, and a, a, a having a recognizable name associated with it. Mm -hmm. Now I don't know to what degree she's going to go into charity. I don't know. This doesn't even matter. Who cares? No, I, 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 I get rid of the name. Uh, uh, screw him. Get rid of the name. You hate him. He, he was, she had a reason to divorce him. He had some other woman going on. Fine. I don't know why I'm getting caught up on this. I just feel like Bezos, the name, you can use it. Like, I'm Mackenzie Bezos. Yeah. But I guess you don't want to lean on the guy that you don't like anymore. But exactly. Anyway. Yeah. It might be a bad rap for the yeah. fund. Whatever. Shout out Mackenzie Bezos. Or shout out Mackenzie Scott. <laughs> shout out Mackenzie Scott. Make a name for yourself. Go for it. Yeah. But, uh. The way that she's going to do that is by giving away, I don't know if it's all the money, a lot of money. $1.7 is it's a lot of money, charities. but not to her. No, that's jump change. Yeah, so this is a, it's a weird one. It's still a lot of money, but we'll see how much of it all she gives away. She did a breakdown 
of how she can distribute 1.7 billion just to get started. You got everything in there. Racial equality, LGBTQ, gender, economic mobility, empathy, and bridging divides. That one seems vague to me. I don't know how that one works. Now, she's going to go in and select particular charities for each group, but I think this is just to give you a general idea. Functional democracy, public health, global development, and climate change. Now, there's going to be, like I said, a bunch of charities within each one of those subsets. That's a full-time gig, trying oh, to figure yeah. out where to put all this money. Wow. But anyways, uh, that's, that's, the, that's the starting point right there. Uh, each one of these groups... You have numbers ranging from 500 million to uh, 72 million to 500 million, 46 million. I don't even know how you decide who gets what. Yeah. It's a hard, that's a hard thing a to figure job. out. Yeah, it's a full-time job. It will be. This will be a full-time job for her now, figuring out where to put all this Amazon money. <laughs> it's a, that's a funny setup. Anyways, Garmin confirms cyber attack working on bringing systems back online over the next few days. Uh, we, we, we talked to Kirk about this uh, since we reported on it the original time because he's a big Garmin guy, got the watch and the fitness tracking and all the rest of it. And uh, he was like, yeah, man, my service are down. I can't use anything. Even so, now. Even right? now. Yeah. Still down. So this hack was serious stuff, man. It's actually in a lot of users. Some people are using the pay apps on the watch as well. To pay for things? What a nightmare. Yeah. What a nightmare this is for this shutdown. And people were curious if Garmin was going to admit it because they hadn't put details on it. They hadn't said, this is why it's busted. They just said, we're working on it. We're working on it. Which people don't like to hear that. Uh, so in a press release, Garmin writes that it was the victim of a cyber attack that encrypted some of our systems on July 23rd, 2020. And it interrupted almost all of its online services. The company then emphasized there's no indication that any customer data, including payment information from Garmin Pay, was accessed, lost, or stolen. And it says that it's going to get back fully functional and figure things out in the next few days. Though, again, according to Kirk, he's still out. The outage is still happening right now as of this morning at the time of filming this. I don't fully understand the extent of this, this hack and how it was capable of shutting them down. Uh, the speculation, it's a wasted locker attack and of course as we mentioned in the recent one in a recent episode of lou later how the group behind it uh evil corp i think <laughs> is what their yeah. group is called a, a russian, russian hacking hacker. firm who uh, they were holding it hostage it appears that garmin's gonna be able to get things back up and running without making the the payment the ransom mm -hmm. payment but it's just it just means their service gonna, services are going to be down for a while and I don't know if they can fix the whatever the opening was for the exploit, but if you're a Garmin user, uh, sit and wait. That's the that's the line on that right now. Mm -hmm. I got a couple of fun ones for you here today, Will. Maybe you're going to give these a shot considering it's the summer and you're looking for a way to stay refreshed. Mm. Get a kick out of fizzy coffee. Did oh. you ever consider having yourself a fizzy coffee? Let me explain something to you. No. I'd like to. I'll give it a shot. You're going to give it a shot. Well, why don't we both give it a shot later on? Okay. Apparently, the way that this is made is by adding carbonated water to espresso in a kind of Americano format where you would normally add water. 
just regular water. Hmm. You know, you would have like an iced Americano. Mm -hmm. Well, that's espresso water ice. Yeah. So you throw in a little fizzy water. And I love, love to drink that stuff anyways. And I've, I'm amazed I've never actually had this before. There are companies that put it in a can. They put the whole package in a can, carbonated water, coffee, espresso, hefty flavor. Yeah. But this is more at the coffee shop type of scenario or maybe do it yourself. Like a soda stream, put it in coffee. You got to start with strong enough coffee. So it's going to have to be espresso. You can't take an iced coffee and start pouring water in right, it or it's right. going to get diluted and it's going to be no good. But if you start with some nice espresso in a cup, you throw the ice in to chill it down, right? Because you don't want the, the, the dilution to ruin the thing. Then you hit it with the uh, carbonated beverage, carbonated water, and you got yourself a fizzy uh, uh, summer cold beverage. Are you going to give it a shot? Yeah. Otis I'll apparently is going to give it a shot. He's down. He, he got a little bark. Totally down. He's got a little bark going because he's thirsty himself. I think it's a nice little mix-up for uh, the summer beverage. That's all I think about it. Hmm. But I got another one. Maybe is more tantalizing to you. Watermelon burgers. <laughs> uh, okay, I've seen something like this before. Okay, you're going to bite on this one. Where they uh, cut up the watermelon and kind of grill it like steaks. That's what they're doing here. Oh, yeah, okay. Go ahead. Um, Let us hear And apparently it. it's delicious. It's really good. It doesn't taste like a steak. Let us have it. But uh, it's very flavorful. Like it's a watermelon flavor grilled so yeah they, I, I would definitely try it okay so i'm willing to go to a certain point this one it maybe took it a little far for me yeah. grilled watermelon sounds kind of like an interesting side dish yeah. but to make it the entire meal and to put it on a bun with toppings whoa that's yeah. that there's a little mind bend happening there a fruit sandwich fruit sandwich yeah. grilled so anyway, I want to provide you with at least a couple of options here for your summer treats and, hey, your, summer, and your summer refreshments. You may combine them. You could very well have yourself a watermelon burger grilled alongside a fizzy coffee, mm -hmm. and it could be just a whole day type of event for you. Or you could put your money where your mouth is right now, and you could tell us that uh, which one of these two you're going to try before the next episode. Oh, I would definitely go for the watermelon burger over the fizzy coffee yeah yeah yeah. interesting i'd like a meal okay see this <laughs> so you just promised to us that before the next new lou later episode you're gonna try and report back well grilled I, watermelon where where can i get this do i have what do you to mean it? yeah you gotta make it i gotta make it grilled watermelon oh okay, okay we'll give you a couple days on that all right yeah. grilled watermelon you don't have to put it on a bun no you gotta put it on a bun yeah the all right, you report back to us if this is the future. Scroll down to the next picture. It looks really uh, expensive, does yeah, it? This is that look gourmet. Yeah, it looks very gourmet because it almost looks like sushi, sort of, when it's grilled. It, it yeah. sort of turns translucent a little yeah, bit. Yeah. But I just can't even imagine biting into that. It's very juicy. <laughs> I can't even imagine biting into that. Anyway, Will's gonna figure it out so we don't have to. Right. Speaking of hungry, Will's not the only one hungry. New Jersey squirrels are also hungry. Mm. And here's one being caught stealing pizza after contactless delivery. So the way this works, well, you know, with all the food apps and things, if you get a delivery, 
the, uh, no one wants to interact with each other anymore. You pay on a credit card, obviously. Right. And the thing it just sits at your front door. Well, the squirrels figured that one out because squirrels are smart. Well, all rodents are smart. They figured out, oh, people are just leaving food on the doorstep. Yeah, that's probably going to be mine. I got a chance here. I'm going to have to be quick, but I have a chance here. So in this particular clip in New Jersey, you have three pizzas waiting to be retrieved by the homeowner. And the squirrel says, I'm going to take my opportunity right here. Oh. And he's able to sneak out of the box. I don't know what that is. What is Domino's. That? I don't know who the pizza place is here. He's able to sneak the slices. Right. He opens the box. The squirrel's a genius. He opens the box. He says, I'm going to have pizza for dinner. Thank you for the contactless delivery. I don't even have to pay. Oh, you have to pay for it. Now, he's not the first, obviously. We have the world-famous pizza rat Oh yeah. in the New York yeah. City subway. But my question for you, Will, is you do the contactless delivery. Okay, you get the at-home food. It's sitting out front in your house. There's the pizza rat. He's world-famous. How many views did he do? 11 million? What is that? Yeah, 11 million. 11 million views the pizza rat did. I don't think there'll ever be another pizza rat. But the New Jersey squirrel is uh, going to take his best crack at it. But my question for you is, you do the order. You've got the pizza. It's sitting there. You go out. You're starving. And you catch the squirrel in the act of eating your pizza. You have three pizzas there. He's gotten into one of the pizzas. First of all, how do you react immediately? Well, he's already eating one, right? Yes, he's he's eating one. Well, what do you do immediately? I'll shoo him away. You shoo him away. But if there's one pizza that's already ruined, I would probably just give it out, throw it on the lawn. <laughs> because it's already ruined. I don't know if you're throwing a piece on the lawn, you're going to attract every squirrel in the neighborhood now. They're going to think so, they're going to keep coming back hey to man, you. Hey man, squirrels are hungry. You but know? you're going to have a squirrel party every time you order pizza now. Yeah, they're, they're smart. They'll come back. Yeah, they'll come back they for it. The pizza they don't forget where they got fed. That's true. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Maybe give it like a little piece. So that they could finish it, finish it off. Oh, then. you're the squirrel man now. <laughs> you're, you're the squirrel guy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know this. This uh, I don't know what this person did. All I know is that they called the delivery service and they were awarded another pizza, no questions asked. I believe. Yeah, they have proof. It was Grubhub. Apparently, Grubhub didn't even ask questions. They just said, "Yeah, okay, you can throw out the pizza and can get another one." But I was just thinking to myself. What is the protocol here? What do you do? The, it's not anyone's fault. It's not the pizza place's fault. It's yeah. not the uh, delivery service's fault. It's kind of a bizarre situation to find yourself. Uh, you still have two pizzas. It's still You still have two pizzas. It looks like it's three total. But do you think the, the, the squirrel contaminated those? Are you confident? Mm -hmm. This person has a video clip, but I'm saying you find the thing and you don't have a video clip. So you don't know if the squirrel's oh. been in the other boxes. Yeah, I'm done for. I, yeah, I would probably have to talk to Grubhub. You would also talk to Grubhub. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a fair, that's a fair way to go about it. Or you just, or you could just throw all the pizzas on your lawn. <laughs> <laughs>